don't attempt to understand the modern poem. Listen to it. This is Interesting People Reading Poetry. And it should be heard. A show where artists and luminaries read a favorite poem and share what it means to them. <laughs> I'm Brendan Sturmer. In other words, if it ain't a pleasure, it ain't a poem. In this episode, Rob Wallace reads a poem by Derek Walcott. Wallace is an evolutionary biologist known for his research into the history of influenza. His latest book is Big Farms Make Big Flu, dispatches on influenza, agribusiness, and the nature of science. Derek Walcott was a 20th century poet from St. Lucia. My name is Rob Wallace. I'm an evolutionary biologist. I'm presently uh, uh, at the Institute for Global Studies at the University of Minnesota. I'm also the author of Big Farms Make Big Flu, uh, Dispatches on Infectious Disease, Agribusiness, and the Nature of Science. Today, I'm going to be reading The Sea is History by Derek Walcott. Where are your monuments, your battles, martyrs? Where is your tribal memory? Sirs, in that gray vault, the sea, the sea has locked them up. The sea is history. First, there was a heaving oil, heavy as chaos. Then, like a light at the end of a tunnel, a lantern of a caravel, and that was Genesis. Then there were the packed cries, the shit, the moaning. Exodus. Bone soldered by coral to bone, mosaics mantled by the benediction of the shark's shadow. That was the Ark of the Covenant. Then came from the plucked wires of sunlight on the seafloor, the plangent harps of the Babylonian bondage, as the white cowries clustered like manacles on the drowned women. And those were the ivory bracelets of the Song of Solomon. But the ocean kept turning blank pages, looking for history. Then came the men with eyes heavy as anchors, who sank without tombs, Brigands who barbecued cattle, leaving their charred ribs like palm leaves on the shore. Then the foaming rapid maw of the tidal wave swallowing Port Royal. And that was Jonah. But where is your renaissance? Sir, it is locked in them sea sands out there past the reef's moiling shelf where the men of war floated down. Strop on these goggles, I'll guide you there myself. It's all subtle and submarine through colonies of coral, past the gothic windows of sea fans, to where the crusty grouper, onyx-eyed, blinks, weighted by its jewels like a bald queen. And these groined caves with barnacles pitted like stone are our cathedrals, and the furnace before the hurricanes, Gomorrah. Bones ground by windmills into marl and cornmeal, and that was Lamentations. That was just lamentations. It was not history. Then came, like scum on the river's drying lip, the brown reeds of villages mantling and congealing into towns, and at evening the midges' choirs, and above them the spires lancing the side of God as his sun set. And that was the New Testament. Then came the white sisters clapping to the waves' progress, and that was emancipation, jubilation, oh jubilation, vanishing swiftly as the sea's lace dries in the sun. But that was not history. That was only faith. And 
Then each rock broke into its own nation. Then came the synod of flies. Then came the secretarial heron. Then came the bullfrog bellowing for a vote. Fireflies with bright ideas and bats like jetting ambassadors and the mantis like khaki police and the furred caterpillars of judges examining each case closely. And then in the dark ears of ferns and in the salt chuckle of rocks with their sea pools, there was a sound like a rumor without an echo of history really beginning. The poem has seems to have a, a conversation or somewhat of a debate between two people. And, you know, there's no indication who the person asking the question is, but you can't help but feel like the person asking is, is some representative of the European uh, experience, the European metaphysics. And Walcock is in a very polite way, deftly skewering uh, the questioner. Because the question is like, where's your history? You don't have the Renaissance. You don't have cathedrals. You don't have uh, history with a capital H. And uh, what Walcock does is that he takes them through the island and in the sea around him and shows all these momentous events occurred along the way, often leading to the to deaths of thousands of black people in the region. And that, for him, is what history is. It's not in these kind of uh, official bureaucratic institutions that you find history. There's 7 billion people on the planet and everyone has a different story and or different peoples have different histories. And what is, which one do we choose to put our focus on? And typically, uh, there's a lot of attention put on the history that led to how the powerful got power and in essence, rationalizing how we got to this moment. But all throughout history, there have been conflicts and debates and even uh, rebellions and revolutions of people who disagreed with the trajectory that uh, we've arrived at. Walcott's main point is, is that there isn't just this one history that leads to those that are powerful. And so one of the means by which one can fight for an alternate future, if we want to do something different, is that we have to search for that alternate history those lost histories that would, in essence, rationalize and justify a new direction uh, in terms of how we do things. I think in my book, Big Farms Make Big Flu, I tell an alternate history of influenza. Because right now, the history that is being promulgated is one that protects the uh, agricultural companies that, in my view, are implicated in the emergence of these new influenzas out of uh, large hog and out of the poultry industry. So there's always this push in terms of the research being done to blame it on everyone else but the economic model. So for instance, they want to blame wild waterfowl for bringing the virus here. They want to blame the farmers for their practices for the spread of the virus rather than grasp the, the possibility or investigate the possibility that their model of production, which means sticking in 15,000 turkeys in a barn, they're all genetically the same, 
allowing the virus to burn through there and increase in its deadliness, and uh, it's being able to spread across much of the Midwest. So uh, how does poetry help us in terms of asking questions in science? And uh, poetry, in my mind, helps us have a greater understanding of the complexities of our senses of ourself and our place in the world and our, and our place in history, our, who we are, the human condition. And I think these things are imperative to understand or at least struggle as best you can with an understanding in terms of the kind of questions we might decide to ask. Because otherwise, someone's just going to dump a question on you to ask because it might make someone some money or because it's part of a grant proposal or... And, you know, scientists can get sucked up into the machinery of uh, scientific practice instead of the notion that we do our work for the better of, of humanity. your monuments, your battles, martyrs? Where is your tribal memory? Sirs, in that gray vault, the sea. The sea has locked them up. The sea is history. First, there was the heaving oil, heavy as chaos. Then, like a light at the end of a tunnel, the lantern of a caravel. And that was Genesis. Then there were the pack cries, the shit, the moaning. Exodus. Bone soldered by coral to bone, mosaics mantled by the benediction of the shark's shadow. That was the Ark of the Covenant. Then came from the plucked wires of sunlight on the sea floor the plangent harps of the Babylonian bondage, as the white cowries clustered like manacles on the drowned women. And those were the ivory bracelets of the Song of Solomon. But the ocean kept turning blank pages, looking for history. Then came the men with eyes heavy as anchors who sank without tombs, brigands who barbecued cattle, leaving their charred ribs like palm leaves on the shore. Then the foaming, rabid maw of the tidal waves swallowing Port Royal, and that was Jonah. But where is your renaissance? Sir, it is locked in them sea sands out there past the reef's moiling shelf where the men o' war floated down. Strap on these goggles. I'll guide you there myself. It's all subtle and submarine, through colonnades of coral, past the gothic windows of sea fans, to where the crusty grouper, onyx-eyed, blinks, weighted by its jewels like a bald queen. And these groined caves with barnacles pitted like stone are our cathedrals, and the furnace before the hurricanes, Gomorrah. Bones ground by windmills into marl and cornmeal, and that was Lamentations. That was just Lamentations. It was not history. Then came, like scum on the river's drying lip, the brown wreaths of villages mantling and congealing into towns. And at evening, the midges' choirs, and above them, the spires lancing the side of God as his sun set. And that was the New Testament. Then came the white sisters clapping to the waves' progress. And that was emancipation, jubilation, oh jubilation, vanishing swiftly as the sea's lace dries in the sun, 
But that was not history. That was only faith. And then each rock broke into its own nation. Then came the synod of flies. Then came the secretarial heron. Then came the bullfrog bellowing for a vote. Fireflies with bright ideas and bats like jetting ambassadors and the mantis like khaki police. And the furred caterpillars of judges examining each case closely. And then in the dark ears of ferns and in the salt chuckle of rocks with their sea pools, there was a sound like a rumor without an echo of history really beginning. The Sea is History by Derek Walcott appears in the volume Selected Poems, published by Farrar, Strauss, and Giroux. Find a link to that book and Rob Wallace's book Big Farms Make Big Flu at interestingpeoplereadingpoetry.com. Interesting People Reading Poetry is an independent podcast, co-created by me and my brother, Andy Sturmer, who also composes our music. If you like the show, help us out by subscribing on Radio Public, iTunes, or Stitcher, and leaving a review. As always, we invite you to call the Haiku Hotline at 612-440-0643 with your short poems and poetic musings. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, at Haiku Hotline. Thanks so much for listening. Maureen Spagnolo, and I live in Washington, D.C. I'm originally from London, England. Here's my poem. The sea swallows me and promptly spits me out. I'm much too salty.